This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning. So hit the subscribe button, consider sharing this episode with your team, and let's join Brandon Stewart for another vital conversation for all of us who lead from the middle. Welcome back to season four of the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart. So excited you're here today. And uh, hey, it is so good personally uh, to be back on the podcast this week after a couple of weeks off for reasons we're going to talk about today, actually. Uh, But if you're new to this space, uh, welcome. If you lead from the middle, uh, this is the space that we've created for you. And we hope that you hit the subscribe button. Plan to join us every Thursday for a regular episode with a guest. And we just pray that it builds uh, something into your life as a leader in the kingdom uh, for those of us who want to get it right for our pastors. Today, though, uh, we are hitting the pause button on uh, the regularly scheduled program, if you will. And we have plenty of episodes lined up for the coming weeks that are going to be great. Uh, But my family, uh, our family has just been through uh, quite an experience and um, we have been flooded with uh, so much support and so many questions from um, all over uh, North America, from our tribe, and uh, people just asking about the last couple of weeks in our life. We thought we would just take some time uh, to share it with you and give you the story. And we pray that this just helps you and inspires you in your own faith journey uh, with Christ. So that means, therefore, today I am joined by... My favorite guest, the one and the only Lindsay Stewart. Favorite guest. Yes. Give us your bio. Introduce yourself to everybody. Ha! Lindsay. Okay. I, my name is Lindsay Stewart. I'm married to Brandon Stewart mm. and mother to two daughters. Oh, gosh. Which is, I'm still, I don't know. In if that's, shock. Yeah, that hasn't completely um, sunken in yet, I don't think. No, not at all. No. But um, that may be the first time I've said that, actually. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so and a dog. I can't forget Luna. <laughs> we have a dog, too, oh, now. <laughs> what has happened? I don't know. We've made bad choices. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we just want, first of all, from the bottom of our hearts, want to say thank you to everybody for the incredible love and support you've shown our family uh, the last couple of weeks. We've been absolutely overwhelmed and um, even if it took us five days to respond to your text or something, we just wanted you to know we read every note. Um, every prayer mattered and we have felt uh, so much strength uh, through the community that has surrounded us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I mean, there's not even words to describe the support that we have felt from every single person. Um, you know, even some people that we haven't talked to in so long and then they reached out and they were praying and we really felt that. And I think that it was, that's something that I think we're going to talk about today about how important it it really right. was, you know, everything, everybody reaching out, um, your words and your prayers really mattered to us this week. Absolutely. So I have some coffee and Lindsay hasn't seen my notes. <laughs> <laughs> true, no. true. Um, yeah. Brandon Stewart fashion. Yeah. Uh, so we're just going to go for this and, uh, I think just kind of share our story from life in the NICU so far, understanding this is, um, very, very far from over yeah. for us. In fact, maybe we're still just beginning. Yeah. Um, but we pray this encourages you in some way. Uh, first of all, Lindsay, why don't you 
take us back to four and a half years ago, because that's really where this whole thing started when you felt like God laid it on your heart for us to have another child. Yeah. I was actually at a conference with uh, one of my good friends, Janelle, shout out to Janelle. This is your fault. Uh, no, <laughs> um, we were at a conference, a women's conference in New York together. And, um, the pastor said, you know, raise your hand if you feel led to have another, uh, a baby. Um, you know, and I, at that point, we had Zane and we, I think at that point we're kind of like, we're good. Yeah. Uh, and, um, Janelle had just lost a baby, um, Zachary. And so both of us, I don't think we're expecting the other person to raise their hand and we both did. <laughs> and, um, so that was kind of like, we looked at each other like, okay, so we're both just raised our hands for that. Um, okay, we're going to do this. <laughs> and um, sure enough, we both have babies now. <laughs> both were in the NICU, actually. Both, yeah, she has a miracle story as well, actually. So uh, be careful what you uh, raise your hand for at a conference. <laughs> well, but the funny thing was, um, we didn't get pregnant right away. No, we didn't. We actually tried for a few years. And I had actually, we we actually, that was before we launched Leading Second. Right. And when we didn't get pregnant uh, for a few years, we were like, well, maybe our baby was Leading Second. <laughs> because that what I mean, we really had to birth Leading Second. Yeah, no, and, totally. And um, that was something that we, and, and I actually kind of thought that that was the case, that Leading Second was our baby. And I was okay with that. Um, I wasn't necessarily longing for a baby anymore. We had kind of resigned to the fact that we were done. Um, Zane was not. Zane was like, I think every night, like secretly praying to God. I think she had like a pact with God. I'm not sure exactly what she oh, said, but um, <laughs> she definitely prayed every single night. Well, and that's where the whole thing actually started for me. The whole thing started for me was um, about a year ago when I was on the road. It was a Sunday night. It's done with ministry for the day it was East Eastern time zone. So it was quite late and I was getting ready for bed and I got a text from you saying, uh, well, I just had the sex talk with Zane. <laughs> and I remember thinking, Oh, first of all, awesome. I missed it. <laughs> got out of that one. Uh, but then, uh, of course I had a million questions. Well then just long story short, Zane has now put two and two together where her baby sibling was going to come How from. exactly that was going to happen. And yeah. so after being filled in with, uh, you know, the miracle of conception, the knowledge, the, the knowledge, knowledge, it became power. <laughs> um, she was not only praying, uh, she was also constantly begging us to have sex. Yeah. Which is really a fun place to be at. <laughs> When you're eight and nine year old is so, begging you. <laughs> so we, we spent months with that going on. She joined us on a trip and, uh, right before we got pregnant and she actually, we were with some good friends who were pastors of a church and they have a large family and she spent the night at their house one night and we thought, okay, great. She's going to see how chaotic a large family is. This is going to cure her. She's, she's going to come home realizing how blessed she is, everything we've been able to give her as an only child and all that. And sure enough, it was absolutely the opposite. And it broke my heart because I, I was know. like, listen, we are trying. Like, it's not like we're like, just like saying no to you. Like, it just hasn't happened, you know? <laughs> well, little did she know or we know we 
I think we're probably literally pregnant in the next week, you know, so God was obviously just kind of setting our, uh, family up and then I'll never forget. So it's just a, a trip or two later. I, I remember I went and did a first Wednesday at a church in Dallas. I was at a church in Southern California over the weekend. And then I came home and Ubered home, walked in the door and you said, Hey, I have a, I have a present for you. And I, it was just this wrapped box on the dining room table. Very random. You're a gifts person. So I kind of thought you ordered me something on Amazon and <laughs> just were making a big deal about it for some reason. So I like unpacked my suitcase. You took Luna for a walk. Took the dog out <laughs> and, you know, all this stuff. And I remember you asking me like, hey, are you are you going to open, you know, the present? And I opened it up and taped to the bottom of this nearly empty box was a positive pregnancy test or a pregnant pregnancy yeah. test. And I was sitting on the couch, like green, super sick, <laughs> just waiting for you to like join me in the shock and awe. <laughs> I do actually wish you would have recorded. Cause I know I, I'm sorry. I totally, I should have, but I was like still in shock with myself and also so sick. I just didn't even think of it. I'm sorry. I didn't. I know your face was hilarious though. I will say, <laughs> Just take my word for it. <laughs> so anyways, if you, if you followed our journey at all on social media, you know, Zane, Zane has been thrilled and I, I really did, did get my head around it probably quicker than you, but, but I think we both uh, yeah. kind of got there, uh, maybe just barely, but catching everybody up a little more recently, when did, when did the problems start for you? Cause you were experiencing pain for a number of weeks, uh, yeah, before I actually gave birth. So I went to the, um, urgent care at 11 weeks pregnant with like severe pain. And they assumed that I have like a cyst on my ovary. Um, they couldn't see it, um, at that point. And they just kind of assumed that's what it was. And they said, it'll probably go away if that's what it is. If not, it'll get worse, which is like my least favorite, um, thing that doctors say, like, we think this is what it is. If it is, it'll get better. If it's not, it'll get worse and you can come back. And it just seems not fair, but it did get better for a little bit. Um, and so we just thought, okay, I had a cyst and we moved on. But about, I don't even know what week it was. It was a couple of weeks before. Yeah, probably like week 25. Um, I started having really extreme pain um, in my abdomen and um, we were, I was tested for everything, uh, kidney stones, um, a twisted ovary. Um, yeah, there was, there was one night we bounced around between like three medical centers and an ER and all that yeah. in the middle of the night, trying to get somebody to Find figure it out. What, yeah. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. Um, and turns out it was, um, an angry uterus, which <laughs> just is maddening because, <laughs> Um, that's it's your body so, was just ticked. It's so dumb. But basically what that means is I was having really bad contractions, but they weren't like moving me towards labor. Um, they even did the test, you know, um, a couple like a one week before I went into labor that the tests to say, are you going to go into preterm labor? And that came back? No. 
Gosh. So they weren't necessarily worried about me going into preterm labor. I was just on bed rest and kind of always in pain. And that's kind of the other thing about being pregnant. You can't really take right. like a, anything. So um, I was just always in pain for a couple of weeks uh, and it wasn't really fun. <laughs> you did get to watch all the Marvel movies. I literally watched the Marvel. I'd never seen most of them <laughs> and I watched them in order and I am a massive Marvel <laughs> fan now, like massive. Cause it is just, Oh, you see, you shouldn't even started me talking about Marvel. Cause I'm such a fan <laughs> now. Like this could be, I could start a Marvel podcast. Like I love it so much, but I watched all the Marvel movies. I watched multiple shows um, in their entirety. <laughs> if you're looking for good shows, just ask me. I know what's good and what's not right now on all of the paid subscription uh, sites. But um, yeah, I basically laid flat on my back for a couple of weeks, um, more out of trying to not be in pain. Um, I did not anticipate having her that early. Right. But, um, yeah. Well, and that kind of brings us up to Easter Sunday, which... You know, we were planning to go to church, you know, of course you being on bed rest, we hadn't, we'd been mostly online or I'd been traveling or, you know, whatnot. And, uh, but on Easter, um, we actually had to, uh, send Zane to church with my parents, um, because you were in pretty severe pain. We actually moved Easter back over to our house. So you had, you know, family and, you know, another couple over, but we're like laying flat on the couch, you know, for at all during Easter. Little did we know you were in actual labor yeah. at the time. That that day was, you know, I I don't know that I don't know how I don't know. It I don't remember much about it. <laughs> so that was the night that we went into the hospital and tell us tell us to your I mean, I think some of it's a little bit of a blur. Yeah. But what do you remember experiencing going to the hospital and finding out you were in active labor at 29 weeks pregnant? Well, I, when I woke up, um, it was about 1230 and I was like, I was having contractions where I could count them. And so I started counting them in there every six minutes apart. Um, I won't put you on blast. Oh, you can. <laughs> I was downstairs and he was upstairs and, um, I was in a lot of pain. So I was, I, I thought, well, I'll call him to get him up, to come downstairs. Cause we probably should go in. Um, and I called him 18 times <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't wake up. So I actually had to go up and wake him up, which it's fine. I mean, we were tired. Um, so I get it. I do get it. Um, but I was pretty mad at you at that point because I was like, <laughs> now I have to walk up the stairs. Um, but so by the time I went upstairs to get you, uh, they were two minutes apart, which now I'm like just thanking God that um, we didn't actually have our baby at home or in the car because um, two minutes apart and they were coming on really strong. We should have called an ambulance. We really should have. But mm -hmm. thinking back on it, you know. <laughs> But well, we um, had to wait for my mom to get to the house because it's middle of the night. Yeah. And Zane and the dog are still asleep. And I remember we were literally sitting in the driveway with the car, like facing out, you know, ready to go as soon as my mom's headlights turned mm -hmm. the corner on our street. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we got, so we got to the hospital and, um, luckily our, our hospital was just amazing through the whole process. Everybody in labor and delivery, um, was just amazing. But yeah, when we got there, I had already dilated to a five and a half. Um, and when they said that I kind of like in the back of my mind was like, well, I'm probably not leaving the hospital without a baby at this point, but I wonder if they could stop it and, you know, maybe I could hang out in the hospital for a few weeks or who knows. Um, cause we were just 29 weeks that day. And, um, then they checked me again in an hour and I was fully dilated. Um, and so of course at that point, the question is like, what do we do next? And there was a doctor, which I'm so thankful that she was, that she did this, that the whole thing with a a preemie is they can give you steroids, a steroid shot, and it helps their lungs, um, because they're, they're not ready to come out yet. Like they're not developed yet. And so the steroids help their lungs kind of fast forward at least a little bit. Um, but they want you to have the steroids for 24 hours. Um, at that point they said even a couple hours, even 12 hours would be better than nothing, um, for both, uh, magnesium and the steroids. And so they gave me the shot and basically they said, we're going to, we're just going to wait and we're going to hope that your water doesn't break and we're going to see if we can get to 12 hours. And, um, we made it actually to 24 hours, which, um, was a miracle because right. that like my water just was sitting there and I was still contracting, um, for those 24 hours. So we don't really know. It was just God that my water didn't break. Right. Um, now it's been 24 hours. Now I want to control the situation. And so he broke my water and what, 10 minutes later she was born. <laughs> what, what did you think the, the, with the first doctor who ended up pushing pause Yeah. for 24 hours, which was just, I think it was life-saving. Yeah. Um, but at that point she called the whole NICU team up. So like you're sitting, we're sitting in a room Yeah. still coming to terms with the fact we may have a very, very severe Mm-hmm. preemie situation here. We don't, we don't know what this means yet at that point. And then all four of the NICU team come in with an incubator. Yeah. Like what was going through your mind during that point? I was really scared. Um, I was really at peace. I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's weird because I was scared from the standpoint of, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I didn't know what was going to come out of my body. Like, what is this? this baby going to look like? What's it going to be like at 29 weeks? Um, you know, the, at 29 weeks, your baby will look like a baby, but right. we don't know why she's being born early. We don't know what kind of complications or issues she's going to have. Like we don't know anything. And, uh, so I was, I'm nervous about that. I was, I don't know. It, there's so much that you just don't, you know, that I don't think most parents, um, go into having a baby, like researching the NICU at your hospital or what the process is. And so, um, and we certainly hadn't, um, even like with the issues that I was having, I, I really was very far from thinking that we were going to end up in the NICU. So I, um, I did not. And plus it's the kind of thing that you don't want to deal with. So like, you don't do, you don't research that. (laughs) Well, and we were just at the hospital that our insurance covered, you know, so, so it wasn't like we, this was a hospital that my doctor told us to go to. Like, it wasn't like, I was like, well, they have the best NICU. And so we're going to go there. Like that was not even in my mind. As it turns out. And I mean, God just really provided for us on this. They had just opened up 
the a brand new NICU in January yeah. with a new higher classification than the hospital had ever had. Like our daughter's literally in a room right now that was opened in January. I think for her, yeah. it feels like, you know, with a, with a freshly trained staff. And well, and if she would have been born in December, she would have gone to, uh, a, she would have had to be moved. So she right. wouldn't have been in the same hospital that I was in. She would have been at a different hospital. So it was, right. it was really great that she got to stay with us. I think it was really cool too, that God just really gave us a lot of peace. We were talking about this. I think it was last night. Tell everybody what it was like for those 24 hours where we were just sitting there. You know, it was very, very uncertain, but yet we had this very weird sense of peace. Well, um, so when we got to the hospital, I was contracting every two minutes and kind of hyperventilating a bit. Um, <laughs> it was a little bit more of like an emergency situation. Um, then when they got the contraction slowed down, they gave me the shot. They kind of turned out the lights and they were like, we're just going to like let you sit here and, and we're in a holding pattern. And at that point then, um, we actually kind of, we got to turn some worship music on in our room. Um, we, they kind of left us alone, um, a bit. So we just were in the room and I really felt like God gave us a peaceful night that night. Um, which it's funny to think that like we're in the middle, it was like literally the middle of a storm where we really didn't know what was going to happen. And there was a lot of things that could have gone wrong during that time. Um, you know, uh, that didn't, but even, even in that moment, um, I, the peace of God was so overwhelming for us that I, at one point, um, that one of the nurses came in and you were sleeping and she was like, do you want me to turn on the light for you or whatever? And I was like, no, like, let's just like, keep the lights down. Like, let's, let's just keep it like it is right now. Like it was the, the peace of God was just all over our room. And, um, and I really feel like he, he met us exactly what we needed at that point. And I think that's something we've just wanted everyone to hear from anything we've said throughout this journey is, um, that that feels like a tension that everything is going wrong and nothing's going to plan. And there's a lot of fear, uh, but just because I think Pastor Kevin says it like this, that the presence of fear doesn't mean the absence of God. Totally. And that's, that's, that explains exactly. I mean, I'm not going to say that I wasn't scared. I even told the doctor every time he'd ask me something or like you'd ask me something, I'd be like, I'm really scared right now, or I'm really nervous about this. And I think people think that to like live a life of faith, you have to like, you can't say that you can't be right. real about that. I think one of the most powerful things I ever heard taught on, I heard this first from Earl McClellan years ago when he was preaching one time at one of our team church events. And he said, God has never asked us to feel strong. He's just called us to be strong. Right. And I know that we didn't feel strong no. through a lot of this process, yeah. but he asked us to be strong. Right. And I think there's a difference there and there's a tension there. Yeah. Oh, definitely. What? Um, so we obviously had our daughter. She's healthy. Um, she's, she's been doing really well. She actually cried when she came out, which they were, um, I don't know if you would say surprised, but they were really like glad that she cried. Yeah. Like that was a big deal that she cried. Um, and she, she went on to have a little bit of issues with her lungs after that point, but she cried, which meant that she like took a breath on her own. And at 29 weeks, that's actually a pretty big yeah, deal. It was amazing. Yeah. And so that was, that was huge. So 
What has it been like now seeing your daughter in the NICU? I mean, how did those first couple of days feel to you? Um, weird, <laughs> uncomfortable, uh, and a special at the same time. I think, you know, I, um, I wrote a little post on Instagram about how, like, I feel like the last two weeks I've been, um, managing, um, like, how did I say it? Managing like missed expectations. So unmet expectations. So things that I, things that like you, especially as a second time mom, like I've done this already. So, you know, like this should be second hat and nothing's the same. Um, and the things that I was looking forward to, I'm doing a family photo shoot, um, with my bump, um, you know, packing my hospital bag, getting her room set up, um, all those types of things. Um, having a baby shower. Um, yeah, none of which happened. No, all of those things are now like kind of changed or gone or, you know, um, so it, it's, it's just kind of managing those unmet expectations that like I expected it to be one way and now it's completely a different way, which, you know, some, sometimes that's, it's okay. Like, I mean, honestly, there have been some aspects of it. Like I had a really hard recovery for the first week. Um, and I think part of that goes to the fact that I'm 40 and part of that goes to <laughs> <laughs> hello. And part of that goes to the fact that like my body wasn't necessarily ready to have a baby. And, you know, I had, I didn't have the last three months where your body's getting ready to have a baby. Right. I just, you know, pushed a baby out. <laughs> so it well, recovery was rough, but I didn't have a newborn. I mean, I was pumping every three three hours, but I, or two or three hours, but I wasn't, I didn't have a newborn crying every minute either. You know, I don't know. There's just been, you know, I think there's something that I want to talk about here and that's, that's, we see this in ministry circles. We see this in like the mom blogosphere (laughs) world. And that is this pressure that gets put on people as this is how it's supposed to go. And you know what? There's parts of it I'm okay with because I like reading certain things. I like getting creative ideas. I'll even message people like, hey, where'd you get this? Or where'd you find that? Sure. I, I have I have no problem. And, and you know what? I don't want to villainize anybody by saying what I'm about to well, say. And it's, it's nice to hear some people's stories. Like everybody's story is different. Yes. But there there is a polished version of life that gets presented online And, um, that's the only side that ever gets talked about. I feel like a perfectly curated, filtered version of life, motherhood, ministry, pastoring, Mm -hmm. whatever. And then when we have experiences that don't go as planned and we're not prepared for it, I think we end up thinking God's not in it. We end up thinking we did something wrong you end up dealing with this managing your unmet expectations because you, we, we thought it was supposed to go one way, sure. but no one ever talks about like when it, when it just goes crappy, you know, mm-hmm. and when it's hard and when it's tough. And I think that's something that you and I wanted to try to show even in our own communication on social media recently is that there's actually another side to all of those posts all the stuff that looks perfect and curated online, that stuff's taken in the right lighting from the right angles at certain moments. Sure. You know, it, it's often unrealistic and unattainable. And someone who's not having that experience shouldn't add up that they have failed, that they're missing it, that sure. they're, 
that they're lesser than in some way. But actually, I think you can find God in the messy middle of whatever experience you're walking through. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the most important time for you to find him. And I think, you know, there's, there's certain aspects of everybody's story that, especially like with a, like building your family, that it doesn't, it, no one's story goes the way they think it's going to go. Right. And, um, I would say probably most of my friends, um, if you were to ask them, their birth story probably didn't go the way they thought it was going to go. Um, and I think we just got to the point where we were like, you know, we've never experienced the NICU before. And I, and realizing how many people had, it was like, right. I feel like maybe it needs to be talked about a little bit more. And maybe the, the rough time that you're having needs to be talked about, but not just like, gosh, this is a rough time, but like God is still there in the middle of it to bring you through it. And even in the times where it's been really difficult or scary, or, um, we've been really unsure about what's going to happen. We still have felt the peace that passes all understanding. And it's been, um, amazing to be able to like have that tension of like, I don't even know what's going to happen right now. Um, you know, but, but God is still in it and, yep. and he has brought us through and, um, I mean, gosh, postpartum hormones are like <laughs> no joke. <laughs> and then you, I have never seen you cry I so have, much in the entirety of our marriage <laughs> cumulatively combined. I've never cried. I don't know how long we've been done doing this recording, but I haven't cried yet. And that's actually pretty good. Um, no, it's that's true. We waited two weeks. Yeah. I, I have never cried that much in my life. I don't think. Um, but I, I also, um, you know, I was watching actually Kayla, did a post about, you know, like sitting in her pain and, and feeling it. And, and I just decided like, you know what, I'm, I normally would be a person that would just kind of like dismiss or stuff. And I decided I'm not going to do that with this because I have to be the healthiest version of myself for both of my daughters now and for my husband. Right. And the way to do that is to actually walk through this, um, the, gr the grieving of what I thought was going to be and the joy of what is and, and kind of walking through that. But there's definitely been times where like, I mean, I sat outside waiting. I cried for an hour outside the breast pump place. <laughs> and every time I thought I'd be okay, I started crying again. And it was like literally an hour before I felt strong enough to go in and get, and get my rental breast pump, you know, like it just like stuff like that, where you're like, man, like, I don't even know what's going on right now. But, um, but then like, and then this weekend we decided to go to church, um, this weekend. And that was like the best, um, thing that we could have done because, um, pastor Kevin was actually talking about my monsters and I was I like, know. I feel like he was like, Oh, you guys are coming. We're going to talk about my monsters this week <laughs> because, uh, this will help really help you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, where, where have you anchored your faith during all of this? Like, has there been a verse or a thought or a place that you've gone to to anchor your faith? Well, um, I mean, the song Jaira came out, um, right before all of this happened. I think maybe a week before or something. Right. And we kind of had fallen in love with it. Like literally like two days before I had heard it. And, um, 
that song, we played that song. I mean, I, we probably are responsible for like most of the money that they're making <laughs> off of that song right now, because I don't think like Zane is literally like, are we listening to the song again? Oh, yeah, she's so sick of it. She's so <laughs> sick of it. But like that song, I, I, both of us are, like music really speaks to both of us. God speaks to us through music a lot of times. And every time that we've gone through something in our life, um, there's generally been like a song, um, that has gotten us through. Um, and, um, like all those years ago, it was Jesus at the center. Oh yeah. Do you remember how, I mean, like oh, yeah. Israel Houghton has made millions off of us without the <laughs> number of times that we pl- replayed that song. Um, but I think the song Jaira really, um, it helped me to take the bigness of what we were going through and, and kind of whittle it down to the fact that like, God is going to be enough for me in this situation. And I can be content with the fact that God is with me and, and I know he's with me and I know he's for me and I know that he cares for me and he cares for a glow and he is, he's here. And so I can be content with that. And it sounds silly to, to, you know, I looked up what content means and it's a state of peaceful happiness. Oh, wow. And I was like, peaceful happiness. And Mm. I had felt a lot of peace at that point. But until I looked that up, I hadn't felt happiness. Honestly, Mm. like the first time I held glow, I didn't feel happiness. I felt awkward. I felt sad. I felt um, scared. Um, It felt very weird. I thought I was going to break her. Well, or, and like, you know, she's got all these wires and there's beeping and there's, you know, she's got a pick line and she's got a thing in her lung and she's got a breathing mask and, and all this stuff. And it doesn't feel like your baby. It feels like someone, I mean, yeah, it felt like someone else's baby for, I mean, probably like until today, like two weeks, (laughs) like it didn't feel like my baby. Um, but I, I kept, it was like in those moments where it was like, I need to press through these feelings and know that like some of these feelings are just feelings that are actually not like healthy feelings or thoughts. And they're going to take me somewhere that I don't want to go. And some of them I just need to work through. Um, and some of them I need to like stand on the word and know that like God is with me during this season. He's going to make, you know, he's going to be my rock. He's going to be the peace that passes all understanding. He's going to bring happiness to me because he is Jaira. That is one of the names of God, Jehovah Jaira. And he is going to be more than enough for me. And so that honestly, that's what I was standing on for, I mean, the last two weeks and probably for the rest of Glow's life. (laughs) I remember one time, um, Oh, this is so long ago now. Uh, we had Steve Gamble, Charlotte Gamble's husband, um, at our church for a youth night of some kind. Um, you know, he's a youth pastor back in that day uh, before he was a lead pastor. And I remember him sharing this story of his own journey, a, a season where he felt like a lot had been stripped away. And he said, the place that God will bring you to like, like Abraham walking his son up the mountain, preparing Mm. to put him to death. He said the place that God will bring you to is he wants to know that he, he is enough for you, that loving him and obeying him is enough Mm. because 
for Abraham, putting Isaac to death would have meant putting all of his dreams to death. Totally. That, it would have, his future, his legacy, everything, mm-hmm. the promise of God, it would have been laying all of that down to honor God. And I think we get this idea that um, life is supposed to go perfectly for people of faith. Right. We're never supposed to be sick. We're never supposed to be poor. You know, we're ne- life's supposed to be Instagrammably perfect or, you know, we did something wrong. And that's an American idea. I don't think it's a fully gospel. No, it's not at all. Bibli- biblically faithful idea. Uh, I think the the idea that God wants to first know that he's enough and he's everything. But once he is everything, of course, the life that he gives us is Ephesians 3.20 immeasurably more. Right. You know, than all we can think and ask, hope or imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I think yet again, that's what this brought us back to is, is ask God just asking us, am I enough for you in this place? Am I enough for you in this season? Right. Even the nights, I mean, I, I don't know about you. I feel, I feel the, the I, I've never been a guilty parent ever, ever. I, I, I've, I used to travel 250 days a year, some years and, and by and large, I didn't feel guilty about it. Meaning like, like the parent guilt, you know, the, I, I, think, I, I, I don't missed think, my I don't family. I'm not sure. Parent guilt is a thing. Mom guilt is a thing. <laughs> I don't think dad guilt is a well, thing. <laughs> but, but I'm, but I'm experiencing yeah. it now. Yeah. Now, like for the, for the first time in my parenting journey, I feel guilty sometimes leaving the NICU, not staying there Me longer. Too. Or I, I feel guilty. It's hard uh, to you, say goodbye. It's hard to be like, well, I'm going to go home now. Someone else know? is taking care of mm-hmm. your child. And, and, well, and then there's Zane too. And, you know, I think, that's another aspect of this. That's been probably one of the hardest things is helping her walk through this because she's nine. And so I'm struggling and then imagine what she's going through because she's only nine. But I really truly believe that even at the age of nine, that God can show himself so real to her. And that's what I've been praying for her is that like through all of this, like God can not just be the God of her parents, but really show himself faithful to her in, in her faith. And I know she has a lot of fear that like glow will die. And she's been talking to us about that. And, um, and I mean, the, the worst thing as a parent is that I can't even say like, well, that's not going to happen. I mean, I I really truly believe that it's not going to happen, but I can't, I'm not, that's not, I I can't say that. She asked me last night when we were praying, she said, just tell me, tell me that glow's going to be okay. And I had to look at her and say, I can't make a promise to you that I can't keep. Yeah. I said, I'm, I can't, I can't promise you that. I said, what I can promise you is that God is going to be with us this whole time. Yep. And he's already been with us. And she looked at me and she said, I know you and mom don't tell me everything. <laughs> I said, I said, why? Well, listen, we're not keeping anything from you. Some things, some things we, we share with you when you're ready. <laughs> She's so um, funny. Gosh, call us on the carpet on everything. Um, but I just had to tell her, like, I can't promise you that. That that would be that wouldn't be faithful of me to promise you something I can't keep. But I can promise you God is with us. And um, yeah, we're just we are believing that this is her opportunity um to find Jesus. Okay, here's my last question for you. We've talked way longer than I think we thought we were going to. Um, this is like our little therapy session, I guess, I know, today. Sorry, hopefully it helps somebody. We well, we haven't ever said this in like one cohesive story, so we'll see how much right? it gets edited. Yeah. Um, okay, what's the one thing you would hope someone would take away 
from this conversation and just your experience so far in the NICU and this process? I really feel like, um, you know, the two things that I have been just like clinging to is my relationship with God, um, which, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life. Um, but there has definitely been points in my life where you feel like you rely on God a lot more. Um, you call on him maybe a little more earnestly. Um, you know, and that would be, this would be one of those times. And, and then our community, um, that we've built over the years, uh, you know, our, church community and our, our friends, um, really around the country, not just at our church, but around the whole Northern America, like our community has loved us and supported us so well that like, it's overwhelming to me. Like I, I still don't even know how to, I mean, I'm just like, so I'm a gifts person. And so every gift, every like times the doorbell rings, which is like all the time right now, it's like, it's overwhelming. And, and I guess what I would say is that like, you know, the, the community that you need to get through this, the relationship with God that you need to get through things in life, you can't, you can't build those when you're going through a storm, those are right. things that like you, you build before the storm. And then, yes. and then when the storm hits, you know, like my relationship with God, I I've been digging deep, but it's because I had that relationship that I've been cultivating. And so I would encourage you like not, not to just build your relationship with Christ in case there's a crisis, but know that when there is a crisis, you know, it's like out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So, you know, when you're squeezed, when you go through something, is it going to push you closer to Christ because it's already in you or is it going to push you away because you, you didn't really have it in you. Um, so building that relationship is so important because then when you go through something, it's there right at the surface for you to, to have and to, to grab onto. And, and then community, I mean, as Christians, we say it all the time, but like really like you, you've got to be in church. You've got to be building and not just going on Sunday, and walking into church, hearing the message and leaving, you've got to build relationships because, you know, I, I can't imagine if we would have gone through this without right. community. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't want to do this alone and without people that have just supported us, even just like the amazing messages and text messages that we've gotten that like I read in the middle of the night when I'm like, maybe I'm having a hard moment and I can read someone that like shared their story or shared a prayer or, you know, just said like, we are with you and we are praying for you. Like that means the world to me during this time. And, um, so yeah, I don't know if that made sense. No, it does. And I know we have a daughter to pick up from school in a few minutes. We probably got (laughs) to land the plane, if you will. That's what I say at the end of every meeting, I guess. Yep. Uh, God, we thank you right now for every single person listening to this. Anyone who's made it this far, God, they obviously needed something today. And we know that that something is you. I pray wherever someone's listening to this today, God, uh, Holy Spirit, would you, would you meet them right where they're at today? Would you speak peace over the storm today, Jesus? Would you show yourself real and show yourself strong so that you would receive the glory uh, from our lives in the moments that matter the most? Jesus, we just purpose in our hearts to lean on you and trust you and come to know you as El Shaddai, as more than enough uh, in the moments where life 
uh, tests us and takes a turn for the worse. Thank you that you're building your church. Thank you that we get to spend our lives every day serving you and your kingdom and your purpose in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Leading second, we just wanted you to know today we love you. Um, we're so thankful to call you our family, our tribe. We pray this is just encourage you today. Maybe build your faith somehow. Reach out to us, share how we can be serving you, how we can be praying for you and standing with you in this season. But until next time, Leading Second, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. God bless you. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com. Follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.